Welcome to the Let's Think podcast, where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, sports, whatever we're thinking about. As always, you can contribute by sending email to comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. We're your host, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm well, Ed. How are you? Very good. Very good. One of the big story of this news has been the Chauvin trial, which just wrapped up and uh, certainly has dominated the news as much for what happened as for what might have happened had the jury come back with a not guilty verdict on anything. Yes. Uh, it's, it's probably um, everyone seemed to suspect or everyone seemed to know what was going to happen if not guilty came back because massive security was put in place. Yeah. Um, it looked like... Uh an invasion, the National Guard Humvees and vehicles headed into uh, Minneapolis Minneapolis yesterday afternoon. It, it was really uh, something to see. President Biden made a statement which, uh, where he said it's a giant step forward in the march toward justice. Nothing can ever bring their brother, their father back. But this can be a giant step forward in the march toward justice in America. No one should be above the law. And today's verdict sends that message. And I really take issue with that because it's a trial as far as I'm concerned. That's right. Bigger issues of justice are only tangential or related in, in ways to be discovered later. The issue at hand is whether a particular person is guilty or not. That's right. We don't believe in collective justice in this country. You know, we try the individual. Uh, yeah, that's a very good way to put it. That, that's that's a scary, scary thing, the notion of collective justice. The only way you can believe this was a giant step forward is if you buy into the completely false narrative that the entire justice system is racist. That's right. That's right. And this 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 uh, this notion of systemic racism is the perfect foil. Because it doesn't accuse any one person, um, and it can mean different things to different people. And as a result, it doesn't excite any opposition uh, to any great extent, and it allows uh, folks to use that as a battering ram to achieve their, their goals without necessarily offending any particular person or persons. It's, it's actually a brilliant tactic. Uh, it truly is. And as a consequence, a result, you have video where you have privileged, wealthy, young, white college kids yelling at black police officers who are trying to do their job and making far less than that college kid's ever going to make. That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, the notion that these police officers, by virtue of putting on a badge and a uniform are inherently evil is troubling. Um, and of course, when you call, they come. And these kids, and they're out here demonstrating and attacking. I don't, I don't know if you saw the, the video going around the internet today of the uh, Antifa individuals in Portland that attacked a police officer. You know, that who are they going to call when they have a problem? They're going to call the police, just like our friend Maxine Waters demanding a police escort when she was in Minneapolis. Uh, earlier this week before she went out and made her inflammatory uh, and uh, insurrectionist comments demanding a police escort for her safety. And, of course, you know, all the 
the elite in Congress and the White House and other places, they all have armed security. Uh, even in Hollywood, they do. But they don't want you and I to be able to defend ourselves. I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that is say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we, got, we cannot go away. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need this. You know, and, and what she said was completely inappropriate. She's a yes. congressman from California. She goes to another state, goes on the street and says, you need to be more radical. You need to be more confrontational uh, in a situation which was a powder keg just looking for a spark. This this country dodged a bullet in a lot of ways um, because it, I feel like it was poised to explode last night, yesterday afternoon, uh, in part because of her comments. Let me ask you one question and call on your former experience as a prosecutor. Uh, and you may not know the answer. I certainly don't. But my expectation when they charged three different homicide counts was that the jury would choose among those three. Well, that Instead, was mine, too. Okay. But And I was talking with uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm friends with the public defender here, and, and uh, he said that it was his understanding that Minnesota statutes are quite different from ours and that it sounds like all of the options, and there were three – uh, the the murder th- murder uh, three and the manslaughter option are lesser included offenses of the murder two, and if that's the case, then then the court will have to arrest judgment on two of the two of the uh, verdicts because if they're lesser included, you can't sentence if you're going to sentence on the on the uh, the higher charge. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, if you, if you were in North Carolina, it, you couldn't send it on on on, on those. Uh, you could send it on any lesser included, but of course, there is no murder three here. Um, you could send it on manslaughter or second degree murder, but the jury'd have to pick. Um, and I, I was surprised. I it didn't make a lot of sense. One thing that did not come out during the Chauvin trial was any evidence that this was a race-based event between Chauvin and Floyd? I think, to the contrary, I, I think the one thing we do know is that it was not. You know, the uh, prosecution, in, in my opinion, and I, I did not watch every bit of, every minute of it, but it seemed to me that they were trying to almost downplay that and stay away from that, um, just like they stayed away from sort of trying the law enforcement community. They, they wanted to praise law enforcement generally and say this was a bad actor, a bad apple, if you will, um, which I thought was a little bit unexpected. Well, the, I think they did try to do that during the trial. I, I didn't watch all of it, and, and I'll come back to that in just a moment. But seeing the prosecutor's closing argument, I thought he was pretty tough on the Minneapolis Police Department in general. And, and I don't know how that plays the next time they're in trial. But, yeah. uh, you know, Coming, coming back to the fact that I didn't, I didn't watch all of it, and, and few people did unless they you know, spent every day with it. But that's one reason I don't second-guess juries. They had to sit there and live it for day after day. You know, I, I can't say. And, and they heard it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad I wasn't on that jury. Well, before, before we leave this case and maybe— Things are going to be quieter on that standpoint in the future. There was just one other crazy sound bite that came out this week that uh, got to just put out there. 
Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice. Because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice. I thought that was just crazy. I, I thought that that completely indicated that she didn't care about him. No. He's just a token or a pawn in her uh, political efforts. That's all he is. And unfortunately, I, I think in a lot of ways, the African-American community is seen as a pawn in the a way for the Democrat power or the Democrat Party to gain power. You know, if you look at these cities where, uh, frankly, the uh, the African-American community is is underserved, if you will. I mean, San Francisco, New York, all these major cities where there's crime, they're all controlled by Democrats. And they say to the community, vote for us, vote for us, but they don't do anything for the community. Not a thing. Um, and it's, it's quite sad. Um, it really is to me that uh, that they would take for granted the support, but not, not really accomplish anything for folks. Uh, for decade after decade after decade, um, I saw where uh, Baltimore is woefully behind in their ability to hire police officers. And they're saying, you know, as we talked last week about uh, the murder rate and the crime rate being way up in the past 12 months, and it's going to continue to go up. And, you know, the, the poor of this country will pay the price for that. Not That's the wealthy. Right. They are. The, the, the wealthy, you know, and, and it's these uh, wealthy liberals that, that vote this way, and they're not going to tolerate it in their neighborhoods. It's the poor people. Um, and they, they, will be con- they will be continue to be fed this narrative that everything is race-based. That's right. And it will fuel resentments without giving them the tools that they need to succeed. That's and right. since you mentioned Baltimore— I can tell you that currently the Maryland uh, House or the the Maryland legislature is repealing the police officer bill of rights there. Oh my gosh! I did not so you want to make it uh, you want to make it more difficult to attract uh, and maintain good police officers. That's right. Competent, qualified do. people. Yeah. You know the the and and the, and the thing about it is is the Nancy Pelosi's of this world they don't care about racism. It's just a means to an end, and that's to get them power. And then they will continue to ignore the real true problems uh, that exist um, in, in, in various communities because they're not, they're not concerned about that. It's just, they'll, they'll cast aside you know, the, 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 those folks. They'll cast aside the environmentalists. They'll cast aside the LGBTQ community, all those people that they that they – feed these narratives to that are designed to divide, it's not about them. It's about gaining power and destroying the, the fabric of our country in a lot of ways. Um, and, and then they get what they want, which is power. They go off to their gated communities, and the rest of us have to deal with the fallout. Well, let's, uh, let's turn our attention to something a little less serious this week. Something we've talked about uh, among ourselves in the past, but the great American pastime. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. 
team. If they don't win, it's a shame. Looking at changes this year in MLB rules, they are, there are a couple of rules at the major league level, but a lot of rules that are being tested at the minor league level, which may eventually trickle up to the majors. What do you think about that? Um, I think for the most part, um, I'm against it. With the possible exception of the pitch clock, I think, uh, I guess I'd start by saying I've, I've, I've never gotten over the designated hitter rule. Um, and and uh, it, it just. How many years blood. has that been? 1973. Um, gotcha. <laughs> interestingly, I was on a side. Uh, my brother in law is a, uh, is a baseball nut, Ron Bloomberg. Who was the first person in the first game of the 1973 season, opening day? He actually came to bat before any other DH in the league did. So he's the first DH, so to speak. And he wrote a book. It's a great book. It's called Designated Hebrew. He happens to be Jewish. And anyway, um, this uh, back uh, around right before Thanksgiving, uh, it pops up on Instagram an advertisement for his book autographed. So I bought it for my brother-in-law for Christmas. And he called me when I, you know, I bought it online. And when I finished buying it, I I got a call. And then I got a nice uh, letter in the mail with the book thanking me for my purchase. And he could have been a nicer guy. Uh, But nevertheless, I I, I do not like the designated hitter. I I think it takes an awful lot of strategy out of the game. Um, you know, the, the, the double, the double switch is basically non-existent in the American league. Um, and, and I, I don't like that. I think the American league too much, even before the lively baseball, and we'll get into that, I assume in a minute, but was a slugfest. Um, it wasn't about, you know, moving the runner, hitting behind the runner, um, even a bunt now and then those kinds of things. And I don't like that. Uh, so I start from there and then, I think the the most egregious, even sacrilegious thing is this notion of putting a runner on second base in extra innings. Because in theory, and I may be wrong about this, but I've thought about it a little bit, you could lose a perfect game because of that. Well, you could if you carry a perfect game into extra innings. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And, and, and there's a runner on second. There's a wild pitch. He takes third, mm-hmm. fly ball, he scores, you lose the perfect game 1-0. Could happen. I, I think it's unlikely you take the game into extra innings. It is very right unlikely, now. particularly in the age of pitch counts. Uh, but but it just, it just it offends me to no end. Well, before we go further, I've got to ask you, this book you bought, mm-hmm. do, do you think that guy called everybody that bought his book? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Wow. It was great. Okay. I mean, you know, the phone rings and I'm like, so basically a suburb of Atlanta. I don't remember which one. I'm like, I don't know anybody there. Hello. <laughs> hey, it's Ron. Thank you for buying my book. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> what a great story. Yeah. It's a great book. Well, you know, this whole discussion about the rules changes reminds me of this very liberal professor that I had in law school. And one thing that I've always remembered him saying is he said, I'm a conservative in the original meaning that I believe all change is bad. <laughs> that sounds like a man after my own heart, at least to, to some extent. Yeah, you know, I fussed uh, earlier in the week about uh, on Patriots Day, the Red Sox 
they wore the awful uniforms this weekend, and mm-hmm. uh, they changed the font uh, about 10, 15 years ago on the away jerseys uh, on the front and the back, and then they put and they changed the color of the numbers and the letters, and then they put the names on the back of the jersey, and that just you have a number, so you don't have to have a name. If you have a name, you don't need a number. You know, it's it's just oh. Yeah, that one doesn't bother me. I, I've I never don't like learned the white shoes. I've never learned any baseball players' numbers. I, I just don't care. Don't bother with it. Oh, see, I, 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 I could tell. I mean, I just, I, I, that's the first thing I want to know. And the white shoes, just, oh, well, it's fine until Labor Day. I, I've kind of, <laughs> I've kind of, and after Memorial Day, I, I've kind of accepted uh, the colored shoes. You know, like the Cardinals wear red and that right. kind of. I, Okay, and and I accept that the A's is a result of their logo from back in the seventies, maybe. But the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox wearing white shoes is just it's just awful. As long as we're chatting about uniforms, um, you know, when the pandemic started last year, I was really surprised how long it took some teams to figure out that they could put mask on with their logo on it. Yeah, and sell them and make money. Exactly. You know, they have all these extra uniforms so they can sell jerseys and make money, and they have each team has two or three hats and two or three jerseys. But it took them forever to figure that out with masks. And there were guys going out there with, like, cheap white masks that looked like they came from the drugstore. Absolutely. Or at least we got that straightened out. Yes. All right, well, looking at these rules... I guess kind of going from the highest of the minors to the lowest, but AAA, they're changing the size of the bases. 15 inches will become 18 inches. Home plate stays the same. They also are going to be made out of some type of different substance, be softer, supposed to help reduce injuries. I have to say I'm not terribly concerned about that rule. If no. it, if it, if it uh, you know, reduces injuries, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, they used to have uh, basically either sand or sawdust filled, literally leather bag or Bags. canvas bag strapped down to a pole. And they were much softer. Now they've gotten this plastic, for lack of a better word, uh, material that so the spikes won't cut it, but they're too hard. And I don't, I, I, that doesn't offend me. Um, and I've heard, uh, although they haven't done it, but you know, in, in girls' softball, first base is actually two bags stuck together between down the baseline running to second as a means to avoid the runner stepping on or colliding with the, with the first baseman on a, on a, on a play at the, at, at first. So the and first baseman has to use one designated bag of those. No, two? no, but just, just, um, just would, ha- uh, the, the, the base would essentially be doubled in length as it as it run uh, down the line from first to second, so you have two bags there, um, which actually gives the defense um, a little bit of an advantage because the ball gets there you know one one millionth or something quicker, and it, it doesn't reward the hitter, but it's designed to avoid um, stepping on on the first baseman. Um, and I've heard talk about um, that the baseball may try that in the future. But so far they haven't. But I, the bases, I think, is that's probably a good thing um, to make them softer and encourage stolen base attempts because, you know, we, we've gotten to a 
home run strikeout game, um, which is, frankly, in my opinion, not as entertaining. Generally speaking, I think a lot of these rules are to promote more offense. I'm not a fan of that. I, I like a two-to-one game. Well, I bet you won't be a fan of this double-A rule on defensive posturing. They haven't eliminated the shift, but they require four players in the infield. I guess I don't like that. You know, the, if you look at the rule book and the way historically baseball has has operated, you, you have to have a pitcher and you have to have a catcher. You, you can't commence the game or a pitch without those two things. But otherwise... Nobody cares where you position your fielders, and the official score only cares about a batting order, and the umpire cares about the order and then the pitcher to the catcher. If teams would bunt against the shift, they could have stopped this themselves without the need to have this rule for whatever reason, and, and it may be as simple as a macho thing. I don't know. Uh, they wouldn't do it. Um, but, you know, I look out there and I see – some of these shifts, and I'm like, you know, the whole left side or right side, depending on who's at the bat, the, that side of the infield is open, you know, all the way, sometimes all the way to the outfield. And it doesn't have to be a good bunt, you know, just get it past the pitcher. And then you get to the single A, and there are a lot of different rules. First, you have high A, which has this new step-off rule, or else it's a bulk, so the pitcher has to completely separate themselves before they make a pickoff play. Uh, low A, they're now limiting the number of pickoff plays per plate appearance. I think I think both of those rules are really looking at increasing offense. Yeah. That puts a lot of it's gonna be a hard on the umpire. You know, and, and at low A you've only got uh, I guess you've got two umpires anyway. You know, a home plate umpire and an umpire in the infield. That's I think that's it. And so you know, you, you, they, their responsibilities are increased, and then you have you add this, and they got to keep up with pickoff attempts per play appearance. Which, I, when I first read it, I thought it was per base runner, but it's not. It's it's per plate appearance. So if you're a runner at first for more than two, for for more than one batter, you you get two pickoffs per batter while you're on base, right? That's right. Um, you get two, and then on the third one, you, you got to get him or it's a balk. Exactly. Take your base. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't think I like that, but, uh, you know. Low A Southeast has this new automatic ball strike system. As I understand it, it's basically like a robot calling balls and strikes. Some type of system which will sense where the ball is. And is there an umpire, too? There will still be an umpire behind the plate because of all the other issues that happen there. They simply won't call balls and strikes. So will they be behind? Will they be behind the catcher as normal, even though he's not calling balls and strikes, or will he stand off to the side and just wait till there's a play at the plate or whatever else needs to be called? Yeah, you know, I suppose that depends on the ump and where he's most comfortable. Everything that I've read about it says you'll still have an umpire behind the home plate. Okay. Now, if he feels like he can stand further back or to the left or right, wherever he wants to be, depending on whether you have a left-handed or right-handed batter or whatever he wants to do, I suppose it's up to the ump to make that decision. Uh, to me, the issue probably seems to be getting this technology to work. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember in tennis, I remember early uh, efforts in uh, 
tennis grand slam events and there was always controversy about the system. And now it seems pretty good whenever I see it. I, I'm not a fan of replay because I think it takes too long. And I, I think there is a, an inherent benefit to just having the umpire do his or her best to make a call and you live with it. And over the course of time, the breaks even out. But I, I was, interestingly, I was, and this is sacrilegious too, but I was watching some Premier League soccer uh, this weekend, and they have um, what they call visually assisted referee. I think that's what they call it, VAR anyway, on an offside play. And they can, you know, pinpoint that almost to the millimeter and, and catch somebody's foot being over the line. It takes a little while, but they're, they're, they're very proficient at it. But I, at the end of the day, I'm not a fan of, of, um, of replay. And I think the human element is a part of the game. And I would say this, if the, if the powers that be, be it major league baseball, the players, uh, the umpires union, um, or major league baseball as relates to the minor league umpires or, or the, the minor leagues themselves, if they would have the umpires call the strike zone as it's written in the rule book, we wouldn't have four hour games. You wouldn't need this, some of these other rules. But, you know, when the pitcher has just a tiny little area to get a strike, it, it, it just may, it makes for a lot of pitches. Um, it makes for a lot of walks. Uh, and, and the game takes forever. And, and that's really part of the problem that they're trying to address and trying to you know, in, in encourage younger viewers is, you know, they don't, they don't want to give them four hours for a game. They want to shorten the games. And, and the other one of the other minor league rules is pitch timers, which we can talk about in a minute. But I, I do think the the automatic ball strike system, the robot umpire, whatever you want to call it, I think is also to address some of the consistency issues. Yeah, I mean, truly it is. You have pitchers, umpires, and then, you know, hitters, umpires. And, and uh, you know, the outcome of the game is not supposed to depend upon the umpire's uh, tendencies. It really shouldn't. And but did it, it matter as much before sports broadcasting started putting up that little box on the screen to show you the strike zone? And you clearly see balls that are outside that are called strikes and vice versa? Yeah, I think it probably did, but I don't think people understood that it did like they do now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, and you remember when when you had American League umpires and National League umpires, the American League umpires used the big balloon. And as a result, they didn't call the low strike. And the National League umpires wore the chest protector inside the, 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 the shirt, and they did call the low strike. And then the American League, as a result, became, you know, a curveball league and the National League was a fastball league as a result, and it was, and you got in the World Series where you had mixed crews, um, and it, it, it was something that was at least something you had to think about. And then, of course, you know, we, we when you watch baseball, you learn that certain umpires are universally disliked by every team. Uh, and the fan base thereof, and now that we have social media, we know who those umpires are. And that's and true in every sport. Now, it is. It is. Particularly basketball, and they have their own sort of personalities. I, I'm not sure that the baseball umpires necessarily do, but um, I think there's probably no perfect solution. 
No, I have to say I'm not. Uh, I, I'm I'm neutral on the ABS until I see how it actually works. Simply yeah. because of the experience with tennis, I thought it was really bad at first, but they seem to have a have it down pat now. So yeah, I'm fine with it. If, if you did it quick, you know, if it if it's quick, it, it might be a very good thing. If they get it where it's almost as quick as the umpire's call, it might be a very good thing. Umpires wouldn't think so because they might end up with less umpires, but uh, a more consistent balls and strikes. And in terms of speeding up the game, the last of the minor league rules is being tried out in low A West, and that's pitch timers. Yeah, I think the the idea is good. I don't. Again, I don't think it's necessary because I I think what's happened is we've gotten a situation where the batter steps out with both feet after every pitch, just batting gloves, helmet, all this kind of stuff, and then steps back in as opposed to maybe not on every pitch, but most pitches, and then put one foot out and kind of adjust your weight a little bit and then get ready to go. And, and the umpires could control that. Or maybe they feel like they can't. I, I don't know. But but for whatever reason, it, these at-bats, particularly uh, since we're playing a game of strikeout, walk, and home run, there are a lot of pitches, and they just take forever. In the old days when there weren't that many strikeouts and the ball was getting put in play all the time, you had hour and 15, hour and 20-minute games. So if we can speed the game up, I suppose uh, that, that might be actually be a good thing. I have to say the one thing I've always liked about baseball was that it has its own rhythm. There's no clock running. Yes. I'll put on a baseball game on the radio when I'm doing something else just because I like the sounds and the rhythm of the game. At the same time, if I watch a Yankees-Red Sox game now and it feels like the night's over, it's because the first inning has taken about two hours. Yeah. Um, so sometimes there's good reason to kind of speed it up. Mm-hmm. Those are all the minor league rules, which might be coming to the majors someday. There are a couple of direct major league rules. Um, they are They are doing something to make the baseball, quote, less lively, as I read it which has to do with the inner workings and how it's wound inside. They're also increasing the number of ballparks that use humidors to store the balls to try to get a consistent relative humidity so that maybe that'll take away some of the uh, hitters' parks. You know, that may not be a bad thing. Probably six or seven years ago now, I don't remember, the colleges, the NCAA felt like the ball was too lively. There were too many home runs, and they changed the ball, and they overreacted, and they basically almost went to a dead ball. I mean, it became almost impossible in college to hit a home run. And so what they did, they changed the seams. They went back to the old ball on the inside, as I understand it, but they changed the seams, and they raised them a little bit, and they made it basically more like the major league ball. So the ball itself doesn't go quite as far, but it's you can still hit a home run. But it's 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 all about the seams, and they seem to have hit the sweet spot in, no pun intended, in terms of home runs and sort of the power uh, in college is is probably where it should be. If you hit it well, it'll go out, but it, if you don't, it won't. The big leagues are probably going to end up there, and maybe this rule will get them there quickly. I was surprised to see this rule change because I remember two or three years ago when there were a lot of home runs being hit. And the story was, was baseball juiced the balls or something? 
And there was, you know, across the board denial that, hey, we can't do anything to the balls. They are what they are. Well, apparently they aren't just are what they are because now they're making some changes on them. It would certainly suggest that they were um, uh, perhaps a bit fraudulent in their answers uh, to those questions several years ago. There's also a new rule on interference, which they call just a clarification that basically if on a drop third strike, the umpire or batter deflect the ball uh, and impede the catcher, the batter is out and runners go back to their bases. And then you mentioned the extra inning runner on second base. That started mm-hmm. with COVID last year, and that's going to continue this year. It did. I, I just, I really don't like that. I think that. I think that fundamentally changed the game, changes the game in, in ways that I, uh, it cheapens a win um, or a loss, and and I don't like it. And I, I understand that, you know, it's one thing to play a 10 or 11 inning game and quite another to play 14 or 15 innings. Um, I understand that, but I don't like it. Do you well, like since it? you're talking about 10 inning games, what do you think about the seven inning game? Which we're having in double headers. I would prefer not. Um, and of course, you know, the union, the players union, the player association had pretty much gotten away from double headers, um, except when, you know, making up a rain, uh, uh, a rain game or something towards the end of the year when you really didn't have any choice. But when COVID came along, you had a lot of cancellation. Exactly. Uh, you had a shortened season in 2020. And so you're trying to, get people yeah. on some level of equity. I, my, my thought is it, and I could be wrong. I didn't have a chance to look. I, I think this may have been done way back when. And in that sense, if that's true, it's not quite as upsetting to me. Not that it matters, but. So um, if they did it in 1905 and they bring it back now, you're fine with that. Or at least less bothered. Right. It's, it's more palatable. Gotcha. Just, just like the Indians, you know, if they go back to the spiders, and I, you've probably seen the mock-up of the uniform, that's perfectly fine because they used to be the spiders. Right. Um, but if they become, you know, something else, then no, that's not okay. It's not okay at all. The last change at the major league level this year is that when they do do those video review rev, video reviews, when the umpires go to the video booth to figure something out, they're going to announce it to the crowd afterwards. And I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, I, I think that's appropriate. Uh, because sometimes, you know, you'd see where it looked obvious to us that something needed to be overturned. And they would come out and not overturn it. And you're like, how can that What's be? Going on? Yeah, I mean, um, but now at least they have to attempt to explain it. I think that's good for the fans. Yes. It's yeah. probably better for the fans who are there in person than the ones watching on television. That's right. that's but that's an important aspect of the game also. That's right. And, and, and um, you know, despite digital high definition, whatever, television and so forth, there's still benefits to going to the game. The, 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 the current broadcast technology makes it almost as good as being there. And in, in the sense of the climate control, it can be better. Um, but, uh, and you don't have to park and fight traffic and pay 10 bucks for uh, a beer or a soft drink, but there are things that you miss. You go for the experience, which is different than on television. Absolutely. The smells, the sounds, the things you hear and see in the stands, it matters. 
and that's why you go your right. Well, that's all we have on rules, baseball rules, unless you have something else. No, I, I, uh, I think uh, I think you've covered them well. Anything you're looking at for the next week? Well, I, I'm, I guess I'm interested, particularly tonight, with regard to Columbus, Ohio, and, and what may happen there. I saw, uh, as I was leaving work, I saw that LeBron had tweeted a photograph of the officer. I, I think it was the officer. He thinks it was the officer that, that shot the young lady yesterday and said, you're next. And I know that last night there was some. And some then damage. he deleted that tweet. Out oh, he did. That's I what I heard. I didn't know that. He there didn't was, substitute something appropriate for it. He just deleted it. He just deleted it. Uh, there were some demonstrations last night, but as best I know, they were more peaceful. I do know that when I left uh, home this morning and I was going, I had to go to court out of town. So I left a little early and I went by a park and someone had spray painted on a bed sheet and hung on the fence at the entrance to the park something about that young lady in Columbus and what happened. And I, I was going fast enough that I could not read it beyond. I did catch her name and the word Columbus. Um, but I, I, it'll be interesting to see uh, if, if that um, or should turn violent or destructive. Of course, there's also a situation potentially in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Now, I don't know about that. Tell me. That just happened. uh Today, late morning, early afternoon, I believe, there was uh, issued law enforcement serving a warrant for arrest. Person tried to escape. Uh, this is per law enforcement. Haven't seen body cam or anything. Uh, and they've uh, fired on him and killed him. Uh, the last report I saw from there, there were a lot of people standing around watching the situation. And the police hadn't made any statement yet. And it may have been the sheriff instead of the police department. I don't recall. But local law enforcement anyway. Wow, didn't know that. That'll be interesting to follow. Yeah, now I am watching this week, I think, uh, this issue between Russia and the Ukraine, where apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, Russia was thought to have about 120,000 troops they were massing on the border. Now, WSJ is reporting it's probably closer to 150,000. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And, and uh, armored personnel carriers, and tanks and artillery tubes and everything else, it's... Um it's uh, potentially frightening and that's not getting a lot of play in the national media. Anything else on your mind uh, on your radar screen? No, I think that's it for this week. Well, good. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Okay. Thank you for listening to the let's think podcast where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're, we've been talking about sports tonight as well as current events. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes. You're out at the old ball game. <laughs> By their first name Told the umpire he was wrong all along Good and strong When the score was just two to two
lady case he knew what to do Just to cheer up the boys he knew He made the gang sing this song Take me out to the ball game Take me out with the crowd Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack I don't care if I never get back Let me root, root, root for the home team If they don't win it's a shame For it's one, two, three strikes You're out at the old ball 